Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my, to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my freewill offering of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. Let's pray. Father, Lord, just thanks for the gift of your word, that you speak to us through your word. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you help us to listen to your word. I pray that this morning it would just teach us from your word. It would be like a refreshing rain to us, that you would guide us, help us. Just remove any distraction from your word from us. And I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Paul Tripp says, It's true that the thing you and I most need to be rescued from is us. The greatest danger that we face is the danger that we are to ourselves. Have you ever noticed that reality? That the, the, the worst enemy that you have is most likely yourself. And because of that, sometimes, even as Christians, we try to out-God God. You ever tried to do that? You, you think you're smarter than God? You, you, you've out-God did God, or you try to out-God God? That's what we're going to talk about this morning, really about listening to the Word. A couple weeks ago, we started uh, this little summer short series just on the Word of God, and I encouraged us a week ago just to learn the Word of God, spend more time reading the Word of God. And this morning, I just want to encourage us to listen to the word of God and not try to out God God because the worst and the greatest danger to ourselves is ourselves very often. There's a great account in 1 Kings 18. If you have not read 1 Kings 18 in a while, the, book, the story of Elisha, the prophet of God who was, James says he was like, just like us. He, was, he just had the same temptation, same struggles that we do, but he was a prophet of God. God there's an amazing story in uh, 1 Kings 18 where he is, uh, God said, hey, it's not going to rain for three years. And it didn't rain for three years because of King Ahab and sin. And there was a big battle at Mount Carmel, basically. They got all the, the false prophets up there and they, 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 said, do your thing. 450 of them went crazy trying to get it to rain to, to see who really the God of all was. And then Elijah, at the end of it, he just gets up, he makes an altar, pours a ton of water over it, tons of water over it, soaks the thing down, prays to God, 
God sends fire from heaven and licks it all dry, and everybody sees who God is. And it's amazing. And right after that, it rains. And then Elijah hears that Jezebel, Ahab's wife, didn't like it, that God was shown for who he was, and said, tell Elijah, I'm coming from him. And Elijah, this great prophet who just had this amazing movement of God and saw this, he he went running to the mountains, scared to death for his life, hiding in a mountain. And God came to him and spoke to him, not in a whirlwind, but in a still, small voice. The worst danger to Elijah at the time was himself. And he was a like man, just, he was a man just like us. He, he had the same struggles that we had. And learning the word of God, learning the word of God is important, we said last time. It's, it's central. It's a priority. Augustine, the great theologian, said this about the word of God. How, how amazing is the profundity of your words? To look into that depth makes me shudder, but it is the shudder of awe, the trembling of love. We need to learn and be in the Word of God. But we need to not just be in it and learn it, but we need to listen to it. Learning the Word of God is important. It's central. It's a priority. But listening to God's Word is essential. It's core. It's the path of life, which it says in Psalm 105, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It, this, this, it's it's the pathway to our lives. When, when it's bright and sunny and things are going good, God's word is a light to us. When it's dark and difficult in our life, God's word is a lamp to us. And we need to listen to God's word, listening to the word of God and not trying to out-God God. You can read the Bible. You can hear the promises of God. You can see the things that God says and still say, I don't think so. And you can try to out-God God instead of listening to his word. God speaks to us, the Bible says. God speaks to us through his word. Some people say, I've never heard God speak. I've never heard God speak to me. It's not true. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. It just means it's, God, it's God's breath. It's breathed out. God spoke it, and he used men to write it. But the word of God is God speaking to us. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is living and active It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the divine asunder of soul and spirit, of joints and marrows, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. When you open the Bible, you start to read it, it's God speaking to you. That's what the Bible says. It's a living word of God. It's like a mirror to us. When we read the Bible, we're encountering. The goal is not just to get a bunch of information in your head. It's to encounter God. God wants to speak to us, which is the amazing part of Scripture. He, he wants to speak to us. And it's the living word of God that he gives us. And the Bible reads us, doesn't it? We read the Bible, and we see things about ourselves that we need to adjust and change. The Bible, is, it's an encounter with God. It's reading you. That's what it says. It's like a, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. We want to encounter it. It's like a mirror that we want to see. So we need to not out-God God when we read it. But we try to out-God God all the time. How, how, do, how do we, as humans, out-God God? 
Romans 15, 4 says, whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. So if you look back to the Old Testament, the New Testament, it's all God speaking to us. And the the things in the Old Testament were written for our instruction. And we can see, hey, this is ways people tried to out-God God. So learn from their example, don't do that. But we all try to out-God God in some ways. Even as we've read Scripture and heard Scripture, one of the ways the people out-God God is they just ignore God. This was Cain's problem in Genesis. God said, bring a sacrifice. Abel knew what kind of sacrifice he was supposed to bring. Cain brought a sacrifice that wasn't acceptable for God. It wasn't that he didn't know what to bring. He just said, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to ignore God and do it my way. This is the direction that most people, someone apart from Christ is living their life. They're just ignoring God as if God doesn't exist. Someone just told me this morning, they, have a, they, they know someone who says, oh, if I don't believe it, then how can it affect me? That's ignoring God. The Bible says in Psalm 14, the fool has said in his heart, no to God. Or just no God. We, we, we try to out-God God and people try to out-God God by just ignoring him. Acting as if it just doesn't matter, has no impact on my life. That's what, that was Cain's problem. We also out-God God by just inverting God's word. Remember Jonah? God came to Jonah over and over. God spoke to Jonah and said, hey, go to Nineveh, do this, go to Nineveh. Jonah gets that piece of information. Instead of going to Nineveh, he inverts it and goes completely the opposite direction. He he doesn't go the direction God told him. He he just flips it. And often, you may try to out-God God that way. God says, hey, do this. And we invert it. The other way. But God kept speaking to Jonah. So we can ignore God, we can invert it. Our own impulsiveness can take precedent over God's word. Moses, the Bible says, was the most humble man that ever lived. He led the nation of Israel out of Egypt. He he crossed helped him cross the Red Sea. He was the greatest leader. He had all this pressure on him. Every time he would do right, the people would be up against him. They would they would cause him stress and they would murmur and complain. And Moses was humbling, walking with God until there was a time when he was supposed to strike the rock a second time that they needed water in Numbers chapter 20. There was no water there. And note Moses said just, these people were constantly on him. Why did you bring us out here? Why did you, we're going to die out here. It was better to be in Egypt. Why, why did you bring us out here to die? And the pressure of that and the stress of that became just overbearing for Moses. It says in Numbers 20 that it just his impulsiveness overcame him. And instead of speaking to the rock like God said to him and listening, he struck the rock. He hit it. Water still came out of it, but he tried to out-God God, and it cost him, the Bible says. He wasn't able to go into the promised land because his impulsiveness caused him to not listen to the word of God. Or sometimes it's our illegitimate imagination. We just want to live by our feelings. This was Samson's problem in the Bible. Samson just was, he was, he knew what God was supposed to, he knew what he was supposed to do. He was raised to hear God's word. He was, he, he knew it well. But his own lust overcame him. And he would tell, hey, go, go get me a wife from the Philistines. When all along he knew that wasn't what he was supposed to do. 
but his, he was driven by his flesh and driven by his feelings and his illegitimate imagination just let him take off. And his, his life, in many ways, was a train wreck where people will look at Scripture and God will say, live this way. And they will say, mm, I don't think so. And I've even heard people say, well, we, I read it, but we, I prayed about it, and I don't feel like that's really what God wants me to do and live a completely different way. That's living with an illegitimate imagination and not listening to the word of God. Sometimes we're just indifferent to God's word. It, it just, we don't let it sink in. And often there's just what I would call inactive doubt. Sometimes, first of all, there's not, there's not wrong to have doubt. It's good sometimes to doubt your faith. It's good to doubt and to question things and to examine it. But there is an inactive doubt that I think causes people to try to out-God God. They'll read the Bible They'll read something God says, and they just can't figure it out. It doesn't fit into their little box of how it should be that way. They, they can't reason it out, and so they're thinking, how can this be? So it must not be my feelings that's wrong. It must not be the situation that's wrong. It must be God that's wrong. God didn't quite get this one right, so God must be wrong and not me. And so I'm just going to let my doubts dominate. You should doubt your doubts just as much as you doubt your faith sometimes. Just because you're doubting something doesn't mean your doubts are correct, but there's this inactive doubt that says, hey, I, I, don't, I read this, I see God's word, I hear it, but I don't just, it doesn't fit with how I'm feeling right now or my situation, so just this can't be right. All those are ways that we try to out-God God and we're not listening to God. Do you, do you see any of those in your life? Have you experienced any of those? Is that how maybe you sometimes come to Scripture? So where do we go? Where do we go to fight these and to help us with our need to not doubt, not to out-God God in our life, but to listen to God? And the Bible gives us an amazing help. He gave us the Bible, and he gave us Psalms 119. Psalm 119 is right in the middle of your Bible, I think strategically, because every verse in this chapter, the longest chapter in the Bible, 170. Six verses is all about God's word, all about the Bible. There's all different types of words that he uses in Psalms 119 to talk about the word of God. He calls it the law, your word, his testimony, statutes, precepts, promises, word, commandments. All of those are describing God's word. All of those are describing the Bible. So that, that And he says all through this, the way to not out God, God, or the way to listen to God is to come to the Bible. And the way you fight all those Feelings or ways of outgoding God or not listening to God is coming to the Word of God. And the Psalms, it's an acrostic. If we knew Hebrew, every section of it is, relates to the Hebrew alphabet, which means every line of the poem in each little section begins with that word. This wasn't some randomly put th together. This was somebody who was thinking about God's word and listening to God's word and sat down and painstakingly to help people know God and listen to his word, wrote out a poem to help them remember it. Everything about Psalm 119 helps us fight this struggle that we have sometimes have of not listening to God. 
And hopefully it will create in us an even greater desire to listen and to hear what God says. I mean, there's verses like, Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, Psalms 119.2 says. Don't out-God God. Because what God's word brings to you is blessing. Psalms 119.9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Psalm 119.16 says, Uphold me according to your promise that I may live, and let me not be put to shame in my hope. Psalms 119.103 says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Psalms 119.165 says, Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. Those are all the things that we want, right? Blessing, peace. We want to hear and know God. But Psalms 119 says, that The word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Because the reality is we're, we're constantly in danger of going in the ditch, aren't we? We're constantly in the danger of knowing our own selves. Where the, the psalmist said, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And you can know all kinds of scripture and not be listening to God. And out God, God. And Psalms 19 is God's unbelievable effort right in the middle of the Bible to say, don't do it. Here's why you should listen to my word. I'm going to pour out to you 176 verses, all of them saying, listen to my word because it's for your benefit. Don't go in the ditch. It's always there. The call is to listen to the word of God. Why? Why is he called to it? Because the word of God's clear. It's not that there's not complex things in the Bible. It's not that there's not sometimes things that are difficult at first glance to read and understand. I mean, it was written thousands of years ago and all different cultures and different languages has been translated to us. But the Bible is clear. And what that means, very important for us to know and believe that the Bible is clear. That's what Psalms 119 is conveying to us because it's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's saying, this is the word of God. It clears things away from you. I didn't give you something that I want you to stumble through. I gave you something that is clear. Someone said the Bible is sufficiently clear so that any normal individual can read it and discover what the Bible is saying. And the ultimate thing the Bible is saying is that we need to know who Jesus is. All the Bible points to Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. The Bible is not a manual to help your life, even though there's good things in there. It's, it's, it's not a little guidebook for you to figure out how to adjust through life. The Bible is for you to know God and to know his son, Jesus Christ. So if you're here this morning and you have not really read much of the Bible, or if you've got questions about the Bible, I would just encourage you afterwards to come see me. I would love to spend time with you and read the Bible together with you. Or maybe if someone invited you, that person that invited you say, hey, you want to get together and read the Bible? We'll spend some time reading the Bible. That's, that's what God's word is. It's clear. 
The Bible also clarifies. It's how we see things. I mean, look at what he says in Psalm 109, this whole little section. After your word is a lamp to my feet. If you go through each one of those verses about Scripture, it says, hey, this is what the Bible does. It clarifies the direction to go. This is, it's, it's a lamp for your feet. It's a path for your life. It clarifies it for you. It tells you which way to go. The verse Six says it helps you with righteous living. It helps you know what's the right way to live and what's the wrong way to live. In verse 107, it deals with suffering. Everybody deals with suffering, but it's in God's word. It says, I'm severely afflicted. Give me life according to your word. So even in our sufferings, the Bible helps us. It helps us with our worship. Verse 8, and difficulties in verse 109, with our enemies and struggles we have in life in verse 10. And verses 111, 112 just talks about our true purpose. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever and ever. The Bible clarifies things for us. It needs to be listened to. It's clear. It's clarified. And it's just good. Psalms 119, 68 says, you are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. Sometimes I think we forget how good the Bible is because we forget how good God is. When the Bible was spoken out, he breathed it out for you, it's God giving himself to you. It's the word of God given to you and it's good. And Bible, this is a, it's an amazing verse that you are good and do good. Which means every aspect of your life is being guided by a good God who has the best interests for you and he's calling you to know him through his word. We have a God who wants to communicate to us. He wants to speak to you. I was listening to some grandparents talk about their grandkids being with them for a while and they were exhausted and tired and heard a speaker the other day say, hey, there's something to be said about taillights. Um, God does not do that for us. God wants to hear from us. You ever been someone who wants to talk to you and you're just like, oh, right now? Really? Do we have to do this now? God never comes to us that way. He wants to hear from us and he wants to constantly speak to us. He's good and it continues. The reason we need to listen to you, the word of God, is because it, 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 it's clear, it clarifies, it's good, and it continues. Psalm 189.90 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. Jesus talked about this in Matthew 24, verse 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Everything you see, Everything that you are consumed about this week outside of the Word of God is going to be gone someday. But what will last forever is the Word of God. So what do we need to do to develop in our growing and listening to the Word of God? We need to develop in us a delight for God. Because when we read the Bible, what we're looking for is not just more information. When you read the Bible, it's not just more help. What we're looking for the ultimate goal of reading the Bible is to know God, to be delighted in God, to be overwhelmed, but with God. Genesis 1 says, in the beginning, God. In Revelations 22, 
says, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. What we need is an overwhelming awe of who God is. Spend some time this week, maybe on the 4th of July, for an hour when you don't have to get up and go to work, and just think about Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God, and Revelation 22, that God's coming back for us. And let that stir you. So you are to a point where it is, there's an emotion that comes out. Where you are delighting in this God who created everything, sent his son to rescue you, and is coming back for you for eternity to give you a hope. We read the Bible to delight in God, and we, we, we do it with this dependence on God. The amazing thing about Psalm 119 and the Bible because you're all probably sitting there thinking this, or you've really struggled with this. These things that Paul's saying, I know are true. You know these are true. But how come we don't feel them all the time? How come when I read the Bible, I know it's God speaking to me, but I don't, I don't feel it. I don't sense that God's speaking to me. Because the amazing thing about the Bible is we have to, we are dependent on God to understand and hear from God in the Bible. Psalm 118. So this, open my eyes, that I, you should circle this in your Bible, highlight it. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. The only way that you and I are ever going to delight in God being God above everything else that the world is calling us to and distracting us from is if God opens our eyes to it. He says, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things from your law. We have to admit that without God, we, we aren't going to see it or aren't going to desire it. We can't come to Scripture and say, I'm going to sit down today, I'm going to memorize it, I'm going to get it. It's not going to happen. The way God will bring you a delight is for you to say, God, I cannot see what I need to see. And what I need to see is you above everything else. Because right now, all I see is work and family and stress and problems. I feel nothing for you right now, God. I know you're there, but I'm not feeling anything. I need to see you. So God, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things from your law and ask God to help you. It's the only way. It's the only way we will see God delight in you. In 1922, when King Tut's tomb was found, Howard Carter, the great Egyptologist, was the first one to find it. And he brought Lord Kavanaugh, who was the, was the funder for it. And they were walking down to the last step right before they opened the door. And the workers opened the door. And Howard Carter saw it first. And Lord Kavanaugh says, do you see anything? And Howard Carter said, yes, wonderful things. And they found the greatest treasure that the world's ever known that has ever been buried. That's what's in the Bible for us. Even greater treasures for this. But we're not going to see it unless we ask God to open our eyes to see it. God, give me a desire. Give me a delight. I know this is true. I love Jesus. I want him to direct my life, but I'm just not feeling it. It's because God's got to open your eyes. You've got to admit it. You've got to ask for help and say, help me to see what I need to see. Move my heart that way. It's helpful for us. It's helpful for us so we don't out-God God. When we think, well, I don't see it because I can't get it. You can't see it because we've got to be dependent on God for help. And God gives us the grace to do it. So how do you develop that? How do you develop your listening to God? You do it by looking at his word. Real practically, you give attention to it. You give the word of God attention. 
The biggest struggle I think Cornerstone has as far as scripture reading and our knowledge for God isn't our desire. Isn't our want to. It's just our doing it sometimes. It's giving it the attention. It's saying, hey, I'm going to just, I'm going to organize my life a little bit to make this a reality. Someone said, people who don't have much of a plan to read the Bible tend not to read it much. Where they just, we got to give it our attention. Or we sit down and we focus and say, God, I'm totally unfocused right now. I'm having a hard time focusing. So God, help me to be focused on your word. Help me not to leave here, even if I have just 10 minutes, without looking for something. Because the next part is to actively ask the Bible questions. The, the Bible is the living word of God. We come to the Bible with questions. It's not just this book of information. It's the living word of God spoken to us to be spoken to you and directed to you. So we come to the Bible and ask it lots of questions. You should ask the Bible, what? When you read something, why is that? Why did God write that here? Why did he say that now? Uh, Who is he talking this? Who's this for? Where was this written? How is this supposed to help me? Ask it all kinds of questions. Don't be afraid to ask the Bible questions. And don't be afraid sometimes to read the Bible when it says, we read something, you're like, huh? Really? That's what God demands from me? Huh? That's it? And then be just baffled for the entire day or for the entire month or for the entire year thinking, what? Ask the Bible questions. Do it actively and allow the Bible to answer your questions. Don't just read it and say, well, I heard somebody speak about it once and that's it. I know what that means. Or I just got to find an answer real quick. Let the questions sit a while. This is how we have conversations with real people, isn't it? We talk to them. We share information. They come back to us. We we, we let it shift around in our brains a while. We come back, have more conversations about it. We shift around till we come to the conclusion. That's how, that's a, that's a relationship. That's what God calls us to, is to, this, this is the light for our lives. So ask the Bible questions. Allow it to question you. Think about it. Dwell on it. Somebody said this, reading scripture is like collecting pollen. Meditating on it is like making honey where it's sweet to us. That gives you a delight in God. Then allow the Bible to answer the question for you. Let Scripture be its best defender, because it is its best defender. It's all God's Word. Read it and search it and read it and search it and question it. And let the Bible be the one, not your feelings, not somebody else's opinion, but the Word of God. But we don't read the Word of God by ourselves. We read it collectively, individually, corporately. All of those are the ways that God speaks to us to help answer our questions. Not trying to out-God God, but truly listening to God. And His Word brings what the Bible says from the psalmist, transformational joy. It's really what you desire. The ultimate thing that you really desire, that right now, Satan on one side of the ditch and sin on the other, would love to tell you, don't go down that path, is the word of God. Satan wants to snatch it from you, and your own sin wants to rebel, rebel against it. And the Bible says, God's word is a lamp unto my feet, and it's a light unto my path, so fight for the joy to listen to it. One of the greatest theologians ever was Augustine. I mentioned him earlier. But he lived 
in a great struggle with the Word of God for years. His, his mother was a Christian. She prayed for him over and over and over again. But he completely rebelled from the faith. He walked away. He, he, he didn't want the Word of God. For 15 years, he, he kept a mistress, and he was just filled with lust and sexual immorality. And this is his story from his own words about the power of the Word of God. He was in complete bondage to his sin. He was miserable. He didn't have the pleasure and the joy that he wanted. He was looking for something to change. And he says this, I was asking myself these questions, weeping all the while with the most bitter sorrow in my heart, when all at once I heard the singing voice of a child in a nearby house. Whether it was the voice of a boy or a girl, I cannot say, but again and again it repeated the refrain, take it and read, take it and read. And this I looked up, thinking hard, whether there was any kind of game in which children used to chant words like these. But I can't remember even hearing them before. I stemmed my flood of tears and stood up, telling myself that this could only be a divine command to open my book of Scripture and read the first page on which my eyes should fall. So I hurried back to the place where I was, was sitting, where it was sitting, for when I stood up to move away, I had put down the book containing Paul's epistles. I seized it and opened it, and in silence I read the first passage on which my eyes fell. Not in revealing and drunkenness, not in lust and wantonness, not in quarrels and rivalries. Rather, arm yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Spend no more thought on nature and nurture, nature and nurture's appetites. I had no wish to read more and no need to do so. For in an instant, as I came to the end of the sentence, it was though the light of confidence flooded into my heart and all the darkness of doubt was dispelled. And that was his moment when he became a true follower of Jesus Christ. And later on, this is what he said about that moment. He says, how sweet all at once it was for me to rid of those fruitless joys which I had once feared to lose. You drove them from me, you who are the true, the sovereign joy. You drove them from me and took their place. O oh Lord, my God, my light, my wealth, and my salvation. This is how God designed scriptures for us. This is what should be happening in our lives, where we just open God's word, we, lead, we, we learn it, we ask God to open our eyes so that we will listen to it and we'll follow it. Because that's where our ultimate joy is found, which we only receive. Because what the Bible says Jesus did for us, who whenever he was tempted, quoted scripture. And because of that, he was able to go all the way to the cross for us and rescue us from our sins. Are you trying to out-God God? Are you listening to the word of God? And are you willing to obey when God speaks?